Oh, kids, get out of here. Better give them a minute. Can you hear me okay in the back? Yeah? Okay. Well, that sure was a rousing start. Happy day gets uh, the blood boiling, doesn't it? Or it gets, gets you going. So, um, I will say I wasn't here yesterday for Steve's seminar and... I missed that, sorry. But So if I cross some of the same scriptures, or it's just God must have wanted us to talk about a similar kind of subject. So um, There's been a uh, lot of um, archaeological discoveries and artifacts uh, related to Jesus in Europe and the Middle East. Um, one of the biggest ones is the, the Shroud of Turin, which I was fascinated with when I was a teenager. Um, and it was carbon dated, they, they, they cut off a piece of cloth and carbon dated it to the 12 or 1300s. Um, but it was still fascinating in the sense that there was pollen found in it from around Jerusalem. The bloodlines that were on the shroud related to how Jesus was beaten and scourged and crucified with the bloodlines running down from the wrists and the feet and around where the crown of thorns beat. So whoever did it was really following the, some, some stuff that I'd never heard of before that was really spot on with everything, but it looks like it's a fraud. Um, but there's multiple pieces of the cross all over Europe, um, or the so-called cross, the spear, um, and the cup Christ used at the Last Supper, the, uh, the Holy Grail, as they call it. Um, but I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. In a little, uh, in the town of Bruges, Belgium, there is the, the Basilica of the Holy Blood, and in that basilica, they have a glass vial supposed to contain a cloth with the blood of Christ that Joseph of Arimathea used after he washed the dead body of Jesus. And I hadn't, I'd never heard of this until a few weeks ago. Um, and of course, it's one of these things, and along with everything else here, these all become, have become idols over the years and focus people away from the real thing we should be worshiping and looking at, Jesus Christ himself. But it's also interesting just to look at these things and, and the story behind them. Um, but it's interesting to look at what Christ's blood means to the world in the sense of, you can see it being used in a movie, somehow um, bottle up his blood, Jurassic Park style, and genetic engineer it, and someone gets miraculous powers or healing abilities and will never get sick. So I'm surprised the movie hasn't been made about that. But... Um, the day Christ died, his blood was left all over the place in the sense that where he was scourged at the Roman Praetorium uh, on that stone floor, um, I believe the Roman uh, situation was about between 40 and 50 lashes they would have given him. And uh, by all uh, accounts and archaeological discoveries, there was the, he would have been chained to a uh, stone column um, and he would have been crouched or kneeled over, and then the whoever was whipping him would, would start on one side and work his way around and go around the other side. So his whole body and whole back, legs, 
and uh, the whip would lash around the legs and get the front of the legs. And uh, I'm not sure if he would have been flipped over in the front done too, but um, there would have been a lot of blood. There's no getting around that. You can't whip a man 40 or 50 times and there'd be no blood. So that whole stone floor would have been covered in Christ's blood. And then as he, um, as he walked to his place of execution, um, now he had the crown of thorns on him, and he had a robe that the Roman soldiers had put on him. And he would have been dripping blood as he walked all the way to his place of execution. Some of it, of course, would have dried by the time he got there. Um, and then as he was hanging there on the stake of the cross, he now had two new injuries, um, nails through the wrists and the feet, more blood would have dripped down onto the, uh, would have sold the ground, the dirt underneath. And it was a bloody scene the whole day. For, for a few hours, it was a bloody scene. And the studies on crucifixion and the archaeological discoveries on this type of Roman capital punishment show that the victim usually died of asphyxiation, though. The hanging for that many hours the body couldn't take it. And to get any kind of air, you had to keep pulling yourself up. <clears throat> of course, when you're doing that, you're pulling yourself up on the nails on your wrists. And you only do it for so long. And usually the victim would die of asphyxiation in the end. And the beating he endured would have sped up the process. You know, So he didn't last as long as he, the two robbers uh, beside him. He went through all that pain, though, all that bloodlust for us, you and I. He suffered... And the Father was with him there all the way, as Matt mentioned yesterday. And the Father would have suffered with him. What a way, what Christ went through. Feeling his pain, they both knew, Christ and the Father, that this was part of his mission. <clears throat> he would suffer pain, he would die, and then he would be resurrected again. And by doing so, save all humankind. As the scripture says in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm not going to read the whole, the whole scripture, but we all know it. It's the most famous scripture in the New Testament. But, so therefore, we are redeemed through Christ's blood. We are saved. By the world's views, though, it's interesting you look at it, the loss of blood... The loss of a lot of blood can lead to death. The loss of Christ's blood has the opposite effect, doesn't it, to us. By his blood, we live. By his suffering, we are saved. And by his resurrection, resurrection we are granted eternal life. So let's look at a couple of scriptures here to tie this message in. I'm going to look at uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. There you go. <clears throat> okay, let me see. Where am I? Okay. So even... Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. Okay. Even the righteousness... No, that's 22, sorry. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness 
because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So Christ's blood, his sacrifice, covers over every other sin we've committed because we have a just and loving God. Just as the blood of those sacrificed lambs would have sprinkled all over that place where they were cutting the, the, the throats of the lambs for the sacrifice, which was going on at the same time as, uh, as everything was going on here, this, this Passover time where Christ was about to be executed. In the same way that that sacrificial blood of the lambs was sprinkled all over that temple area before Christ, his blood has been poured over our sin. And it has consumed it, and we can now approach the throne of God confidently because of the shed blood of Christ. It goes into line. This is what Paul was saying here to the Romans. As we broke the bread and drank the wine on Friday night to honor Christ's sacrifice of his body and blood, we can feel renewed by that. As we continue our examination, we can be renewed by what we did on Friday night. We can feel strengthened to tackle all that is ahead of us this year. And if the next year is anything like the past year, we've got a lot ahead of us. I hope it's not. I'm hoping we're seeing the back of this COVID hullabaloo, right? 2020 was, ugh, let's forget about it, right? Fast forward. Um, but if, it, if the next year is anything like the last year, we're going to need God's help to, to get through it. So like a, a healthy heart pumps blood around the body, by spiritually taking on the blood of Christ, we are given new life. We are strengthened to tackle the devil and all they can throw at us. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26 and 27. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26 and 27. Okay. <clears throat> for such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Jesus Christ, who is higher than the heavens and who now sits at the right hand of the throne of God the Father, completed his mission and by his sacrifice once and for all did away with the need of a Levitical priesthood offering. He was spotless, he was sinless, and he spilled his blood and died for us. So all these historical artifacts that are out there, like the vial in, in Bruges, Belgium, the vial of blood in Belgium, pale in comparison to the real meaning of Christ's blood. It's much more realistic for us to associate with and believe in that Christ shed his blood to blot all humanity's sins out for all time. And by his sacrifice, we are promised a place in the kingdom to see him and drink from the vine like he said he would do in Matthew 26, 29, which we read on Friday night. Let's, let's just go and look at that real briefly. Matthew 26 and uh, verse 29. 
Matthew 26 and verse 29. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We can look forward to that day. Let's pray that that day will come soon.